You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV. And in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from pre-agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Well, Gil, the 2021 NFL season has officially started. We are in the new league year, and out of the 32 teams in the league, there is one team that has neither signed any free agents nor brought in any new players in a trade, and that is the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Can't say it's a shock, uh, but I know a lot of fans are anxious to see this team do something and make a move and improve this roster. And the only thing I can say is based on the salary cap situation and the general manager that we have and the team that we have, these signings will come, but they may not come for another week or two or maybe even longer. Yeah, absolutely. But let me tell you, there is a team that I would much rather not be. I'm so glad we are the Packers and not the Chicago Bears because they brought in, look, after an offseason okay. of Bears fans getting excited about, oh, are we going to get Russell Wilson? Maybe Deshaun Watson. Ah, maybe we'll have to settle for Carson Wentz. They brought in the Red Rifle himself. Andy Dalton is now the Chicago Bears starting quarterback. Nick Foles is going to back him up. They're probably going to have a QB battle in training camp as well. Oh, my goodness. The only thing that comes close to being as fun as rooting for the Packers is laughing at the misfortune of Bears fans. Uh, quick, give me your give me your reaction to this. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, uh, all joking aside, the Bears have not had a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback since Sid Luckman retired back in 1950. Uh, and if you even just look at since Brett Favre became the starting quarterback in Green Bay in 1992, I think the Packers have had like three or four players start a game since then. And the Bears have had more than 25. Uh, it's like an unbelievable. I'm not sure of the exact number, but it's well over 20. And yeah, I mean, look, Andy Dalton, I think, is a quality backup at this stage in his career. Uh, he's capable of winning a game for you now and again. but if I'm ranking the quarterbacks in the NFC North, I'm not worried about Andy Dalton all that much as compared no. to Aaron Rodgers. Plain and simple. Look, Andy Dalton a few years ago was a very good quarterback. And and like you said today, he is still one easily probably the best backup in the league. Uh, he performed pretty well for Dallas last year in 2013, you know, which was his best uh, year statistically. He had 33 touchdowns. Which means the Bears, after 102 years of existence, finally have a quarterback on their roster who has thrown for at least 30 touchdowns. This is the first time ever. The Packers, by the way, have at least three 
Um, I, I don't know if they have four, but at least three because um, Lynn Dickey had at least 30 touchdowns. The Bears have just never hit that mark. It's, it's astounding. And uh, unfortunately, you know, you're not getting Andy Dalton in his prime. You're getting Andy Dalton seven years later. So, yeah, like you said, eight years later, actually. So, yeah, like you said, I'm not worried. Genuinely, <laughs> Jordan Love is quite possibly very near the top of the list of of uh, NFC North quarterbacks. Obviously, I'm not going to rank him ahead of Kirk Cousins, although maybe Kirk Cousins on a bad day. Um, but, yeah, you look at the uh, the rogues gallery of quarterbacks that the Bears and Lions are going to be trotting out there this year. Tim Boyle is now a Lion. That's, that's disappointing for uh, anybody who liked Tim Boyle. As, so is Jamal Williams. I was sad about that. Yeah, me too. A lot of moves in free agency, and, and many of them I don't like. Well, I, I mean, look, this is always a painful time of year. And, and when it comes to a player like Jamal Williams, who was so much fun and such a good teammate, and uh, I love watching, you know, when he got determined, when he really wanted to pick up that extra yard or two, he was so much fun to watch and reliable, coachable, steady, smart, uh, everything you could have wanted in, you know, a number two running back, really. And uh, he will be missed. No, no question about that. And if anything, his dance moves will also be missed pregame. So, uh, yeah, I wish Jamal Williams good luck uh, in uh, 15 out of the 17 games he plays this year. By the way, isn't it weird? So I was talking to my buddy a couple days ago and he said something about a team going eight and eight. No, no. I said something about a team going eight and eight. And he said, well, that's you'd have to have a tie game at this point to go. 500 you can't go eight and eight we're gonna have to relearn all of that you can't just you know rattle off oh seven and nine uh, 11 five anymore you got to relearn you know what are the different season outcomes that are possible and I'm gonna be glad to have an extra week of football hoping and praying that players don't get hurt more than they used to uh, but it, this kind of throws everything off it does and it'll take a little adjustment look I'm I'm old enough to remember when they moved from 14 games to 16 games. So, yeah, it does take a little adjustment. Uh, I know having 14 games made me know my, uh, you know, all my fractions and all my percentages (laughs) of seven really, really well. Hey, 10 and four, seven, 14 winning percentage. I knew that from looking at the standings every year. So, uh, you know, there's that. It'll take a little adjustment and a little getting used to. And, yeah, there will be no more 500 teams unless they go eight, eight and one. But, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I guess it'll make it a little more definitive if you had a winning season or not. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah, this is this is going to be the new normal. And, you know, having one neutral site game or, or other site game and uh, having a little bit less balance in the schedule between division rivals uh, is going to become the new normal. And believe me, in two or three years, we'll be used to it. All right. Well, here's something we want to talk about today. Wide receivers for the Packers because Will Fuller just signed or is about to sign with Miami. Uh, That leaves pretty much just Kenny Galladay out there left in free agency. It looks pretty likely the Packers are not going to bring in a veteran free agent wide receiver. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, that's just such a hard name to say, (laughs) and Antonio Brown are both still out there. I'm not super interested in either one personally. Right. And when you look at the 
cap situation, you know, obviously since the new league year started, we have to be under the cap. We are under the cap, but there's just not any money. Could the Packers still bring somebody in? Gil and I, you both, uh, we both agree that uh, cornerback and and tackle and defensive line are more important priorities. It looks like we're going to be rolling into the season with the wide receivers we had last year, plus maybe a, a rookie draft pick or two. And Devin so Funches. Go- oh, yeah. And can't forget Devin Funches, even though it's pretty easy to do so. <laughs> Um, I, I like Devin. He's a, he's a good guy. Um, I like him too. I, I have some doubts, you know, he's a good comparison is 2018 Geronimo Allison, not 2019 Geronimo Allison, who was, you know, pretty much awful and completely unreliable, but Funchess is a very similar player to Geronimo, uh, right down to struggling with drops the same way that Geronimo did. Um, but you got to keep in mind he has not played in over a year. You know he missed uh missed the end of the what was it, the twenty nineteen season played one game. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so ba- basically hasn't played in in over in practically two years, and then he sat out last year because of COVID. So he's going to have some rust. I think at this point he's competing for maybe wide receiver four. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say he doesn't still have it. He might. And he did, um, a degree to take a pay cut to come back this year. So, um, you know, the, the, I, I I think it's clear looking at that, that, uh, Goody was willing to move on from him if that was not going to work out price wise, but you know, they still are interested in bringing him in and seeing what they have to work with. I did some research, Gil. Marquez Valdez Scantling was our wide receiver two last year, Mm -hmm. not Alan Lazard. And it's not just because of Lazard's injury. If you look at the percentage of offensive snaps that they played for games that they were active, MVS beats Lazard hollow. Um, He actually played more snaps than Devante did, um, uh, you know, for, for games that he was available. MVS was clear in a way our wide receiver too. And I think reflecting back on the season with that information in mind, it kind of feels right. MVS took a pretty big step in 2020 and we kind of need him to take a similar size step in 2021. No question. We need what we need really from MVS is more consistency. He has the ability. Yeah. He has the speed, you know, you can't coach speed, but he has the speed. He has to run more consistent routes, which I think he got better at as the season. He did. That was a major improvement for him. Absolutely. But then the hands, the hands become the last part of the MVS equation to me. And, you know, if he can get his catch percentage closer to 75% rather than 55%, uh, he becomes a very, very dangerous weapon and I think if you look between Lazard and Funches and MVS and we don't know if EQ will make a jump if he stays healthy ever uh but and then I I guarantee there will be a day three draft pick uh added to the wide receiver group almost certainly um I think between all of those factors plus the tight end depth that this team should have I think they're they're okay. I mean, we had the top scoring offense in the NFL 
with the group that we had this past year. And, you know, to me, with the limited dollars that are left for this team to spend in free agency and they still have to sign their draft picks, there are other needs that are more pressing right now than wide receiver. Not that I would mind if they brought in a quality receiver if they can afford to do so, but there are more pressing needs and most of those are on the defensive side of the ball. For sure. Let's go down the list and take a look at, we're, we're going to skip to, you know, Devante obviously. Um, and we've already talked about MVS, but let's go over some of these kind of depth wide receivers on here and see, you know, what do we think we realistically have? Um, and here's a goal that I have. Let's not just be fans here. Let's really be, um, as objective as possible and say, look, hope he takes a step, but we're not relying on this guy at all. Mm-hmm. So first of all, let's, let's take a look at EQ because you and I talked about him last week as a guy that we really feel needs to step up this year. If he's going to stay on the team, talk to me about EQ. He's got the size, uh, needs to improve his hands and needs to be a little bit more reliable to me you know the the problem i had too many times he seemed to stop in the middle of a of a running a route or uh you know broke off his pattern uh he needs to be more reliable and aaron Rodgers has to get more confidence in him if he can get that down and staying healthy i think would be a big part of it maybe he can add a little something the thing is that between eq and funches uh and lazard we may sort of have three similar skill sets there. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um, Lazard, I think of the three stands out the most just because of how the Packers have been able to use him. And I think a a massive amount of that comes down to two factors, his run blocking ability, Mm -hmm. which he is phenomenal at. You are not going to find, I've I've had people ask, well, do you think we can find a Lazard type player in the draft? No, you can't. Mm-hmm. He's one of a kind. And then also just very consistent dependability. Mm-hmm. Lazard is Lazard is who Rogers likes to go to on third and long. We just gotta pick up the the the, the first down. Lazard is going to you know run a, a quick crossing route or whatever. He's just gonna get open, boom. First down, let's keep the drive alive. That dependability sets Lazard apart. I don't think he can be a number two um, for us unless he takes a step in his route running and also his, um, what do you call it, his contested catches. I think that's an area, which is funny because his first touchdown, his coming out game against Detroit, you know, he made a beautiful contested catch. Since then, haven't seen as much of that from him as I'd like. That's something that I'd like to see him take a, a big step in. But look, for, for positional value, uh, I believe he was undrafted. Yeah, he was undrafted. Absolutely, we've gotten more value out of Lazard than you should ever expect from from a guy that you pick up like that. No question. For for a free agent who you sign off the waiver wire, they have really done well with Lazard. And I think he's best suited for a wide receiver three kind of situation uh, or even a wide receiver four, depending on how much depth you have at the position. I am a big fan of Alan Lazard. I like what he does. He works hard. 
He is a student of the game. He has the size. He's got pretty good hands. But uh, again, the one thing he lacks in my book is sort of the explosiveness to gain a lot of separation. Most of his separation is done with his size and his route running. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it does prevent you from being that big explosive weapon that teams want in a wide receiver too. It's sort of a, a ceiling. Yeah. You know, he can he he can grow a lot, but he ultimately does have a ceiling um, that, you know, physically he just is not going to compete. Uh, agreed. So we actually have four other receivers um, to talk about. First would be Juwan Winfrey, who did play at least one game for us. Did he play one game or two? I think he only just came in for one. one I think it was I think. the uh, the 49ers game, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. And. We didn't really see much from him. I don't. I would say we don't really know what we have in Juwan Winfrey. I, I would say that is accurate. Yes, Juwan, I think is a guy similar to Malik Taylor last year. He's going to come into training camp. He's going to need to um, stand out and show that he's got something and win over the coaches. And maybe this year uh, he'll get a chance to be that you know wide receiver five, wide receiver six. But I would say at this point, it's a little bit more likely that he is riding the bench again. I, if if you know, there's there there's a lot of depth at this position, honestly, on our team. Yeah, if he makes the team, so we have to see. And then, I mean, you also have you have EQ, you have Funches, you have Reggie uh, Bagleton, who will be back uh, in training mm-hmm. camp again. Yeah, uh, and uh, and as we mentioned, we're pretty sure they're going to add someone on the third day of the draft. So. You got a pretty crowded room for all the talk about what Green Bay needs at receiver. You know, you don't have a a clear cut to receiver at this point, but you have a lot of three, four, five kind of guys. Yeah, we also can't forget there is one more rookie on the team and that or last year's rookie, and that would be Chris Blair out of Alcorn State. Right. Uh, they picked him up pretty late in the year. He, he I, don't, I don't even think he was ever on the practice squad. I think that they just signed him to a futures contract right away. Yep. So we have to see what he can do. We don't really know. But uh, again, he'll be in training camp trying to make that big impression. And he'll have to make a big impression to stay on this team. Yeah. And so Reggie Begleton is a guy that you mentioned who fans are really excited about him. And I think a big part of that is that, you know, they see highlight reels of how good he looked in the CFL. And I think that there is some missing perspective here where fans don't have any clue of the talent gap between the CFL and the NFL. It's, it's not like Coke and diet Coke. (laughs) (laughs) The CFL, I I think um, a much better comparison would be like a, a D2 college. Well, yeah, it's a different game, especially when you're running pass patterns on a wider field with an extra player on the field and only three downs and motion before the snap. For a receiver, it is a very different way to play the game, and there's a little bit more room out there. So there is an adjustment, and the players in the NFL are obviously bigger, stronger, faster. So... You know, we'll see if Bagleton can make that adjustment. He has a year spent mostly on the practice squad. He was active for a game or two last year. Uh, 
you know, didn't show a lot during his uh, brief stint in the lineup. But again, he needs time. And the fact that there was no offseason program and no preseason games last year had to make his adjustment to the NFL more difficult. Let's see what he can do this year with a full regular offseason under his belt. For sure. And I want to toss out an idea. Um, so next year, we don't have any wide receivers under contract at all. You have to assume, of course, that Devontae will be, will be back. That would be crazy to think he wouldn't. But Devontae is 29 years old. Um, I firmly believe it is time to draft his replacement. Not that that a guy would be taking over for Devontae right away, but look, Devontae played behind Jordy for four years before we moved on from Jordy and Devontae became our number one wide receiver. I would like to have a guy sit behind Devontae over the course of his next contract that he's about to sign and learn from this all-time great and I, I hopefully have a couple guys that we can draft and develop behind Devontae here so that when at the end of Devontae's, you know, presumably four-year contract he's about to sign, that we wouldn't just be, you know, throwing really young guys out there. We would have guys that we actually believe in who can continue to lead our, our receiving core without losing a step. I think we could possibly wait one more year to do that. Uh, but if we do it this year, I could see that as well. Um, you know, you, you, the, the thing is your rookie contracts generally tend to be four years. And I would prefer to at least have this new draftee have one or two years where he can be a bigger part of the offense uh, rather than let him have that rookie contract and, and have it expire right when he's coming into prominence. So I might wait one more year, but I like the way you're thinking. Well, here's the Aaron Rodgers argument, too, uh, or the Jordan Love argument, depending on how you look at it. Um, you draft your re your receiver here um, and start coaching him up. And if he doesn't work out, then you have time to swing again. And you're not stuck in a position where, OK, we have to bring in a free agent wide receiver because the guy that we drafted turns out he just wasn't any good. Right. Um, I, giving yourself that uh, added buffer time gives you some flexibility to be able to run the team responsibly. Um, but like, you know, I, I agree with you. There is flexibility. You can wait until next year or maybe even the year after to draft the, the Devontae replacement. But I think at this point, if the right guy falls to you in the in the first one or two or maybe even three rounds of the draft, if he's available, you take him right. and see what you can turn him into. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. All righty. Well, let's take a look then at um, the Packers 2020 season. We're going to continue our review. We took a break from it last week because we had um, such a hot topic to cover last week. And we're going to touch on, I believe we're starting with the Carolina Panthers this week in uh, week 15. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. So the Panthers game, man, I bring up the Panthers game all the time when I'm trying to ex convince people that No Huddle is the show to listen to. Because, Gil, we called it. We nailed our prediction for this game. We said, look, everybody's going to be mad after the Panthers game because everyone in is under the impression that the Panthers stink. 
and they are not prepared for how tough the Panthers are going to play us. It's going to be a frustrating game. We're probably going to win, but by less than a touchdown. And boy, howdy, did we nail that one. The final score was uh, 24 to 16, thanks to uh, a nice late push by the uh, Packers offense. This game was a slugfest from start to finish, though. And a lot of it had to do with how weird the Panthers' defense was. And the Packers' offense just honestly was not prepared for how many goofy, you know, new college stuff, things that were being thrown at them that they don't see from any other NFL team. Yeah, it definitely set them off balance a little bit. And at the end of the day, in a lot of ways, Carolina outplayed the Packers, but they just didn't quite have enough talent to, no. or cohesion maybe even, to to more than they bargained for or more than they expected. And they did a pretty good job of shutting down the Packers' offense, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, and this was a game... You know, we got to the end of it, and I think you and I were relatively pleased with what we had seen just because of the research we had done leading up to it and seeing how they played everybody else. You and I were relatively pleased because 24 to 16, you know, that's an eight point gap that was much larger than any other team around there was beating the Panthers, except for the Buccaneers, who just absolutely just smoked them. And it was funny because it was the same score as the previous year. Yeah. When we played the Panthers. Absolutely the same score uh, and kind of the same feel, although in the game last year or 2019, uh, you know, Carolina was driving for that winning score in the closing seconds and we were able to hold them off. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, for, for whatever reason, that matchup doesn't work out particularly well for the Packers, but both times they managed to escape with a win. And at, after that game, you and I were looking ahead to the Titans game with, I think, a lot more optimism than anybody else was because the Titans had, at that point, what was the number one offense in the league. They were a very, very scary team. They had some chinks in their armor for sure. But you and I, I think, were a lot more optimistic because we were looking at the matchup and saying, look, the Packers are just really well built to stop the Titans. The Titans' defense isn't really good, and they're especially not very good uh, you know, in their, their pass rush and protecting the middle of the field. We think that we might be able to um, move the ball pretty effectively along the ground against them. And then there was all the talk about, well, you know, the weather, how's that going to play, and are they going to be able to, you know, this warm-weather team keep up with us? Wow. Game of the year. No question this was the most fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, all the buildup to this game was this is the real test. We will see, you know, the Packers' defense played better in the last six, seven games of the season. So they had like four games of solid defensive football coming into this one. But this was going to be the real test. And especially for the run defense, uh, you know, you, you've got to stop that Tennessee running game. It's very hard to to do that. And yet it was Green Bay's running game, particularly A.J. Dillon in this case, that upstaged Derrick Henry and helped the Packers win this game. And it was a snow game on national TV. You can't ask for too much more than that. Absolutely. They're just the most fun. And um, and I'll tell you, obviously, I've been asking and we all have been asking for A.J. Dillon all year long. 
And to finally just see him unleashed and see Matt LaFleur have just an incredible amount of fun using A.J. Dillon to the point where running backs coach Ben Sermons had to go over to LaFleur and LaFleur is saying, why are you putting put, put AJ, A.J. Dillon back out there? Don't don't put uh, Aaron Jones out there. And Ben had to say, no, you need to give the kid a break. He needs to sit down and breathe. <laughs> You're going to exhaust him. <laughs> that was fun. Okay, we are getting close to the end of our time, so let us look at our debate topic for the week. Uh, we are looking at centers. Who should be the starting center this week, or this year, I should say, in the absence of Corey Lindsley, who has gone to the Chargers to be reunited with Brian Balaga, Iowa, and get a massive payday. He's now the highest paid center in the league. Who do you think the Packers should put in there at center um, this year since we don't have uh, Lindsay anymore? Well, I mean, to me, you got to look at Elton Jenkins. And, you know, center is the most important of the three interior linemen as far as usually the center calls the formations out and, and, and you know, the plays out for the offensive linemen. And, you know, in the middle of everything, you want to have someone stable, steady, and solid. To me, uh, Jenkins is the most talented. There's a little bit more depth at guard between, uh, you know, Lucas Patrick and John Runyon, and maybe Lane Taylor comes back. So, and and you could always put Billy Turner in there if you need to juggle people. But to me, Elton Jenkins would give them the best option out of the players who are on the roster right now. I think... Although Elton is probably clearly the best guy at center on the entire offensive line. No question about that. I'm not even going to try and argue with that. I am looking at the start of the season where Bakhtiari is presumably going to miss anywhere from one to five games they're estimating right now. And I think Elton, here's the thing, finding a guy who can play center is easier than finding a guy who can play uh, tackle. And we also have a guy on our roster who does better as a center than he does as a guard. And I'm talking about Lucas Patrick. Lucas Patrick was our backup center in 2019, did a pretty admirable job. Um, PFF really loved his pass blocking grade. He has a ways to go, or at least in 2019, he had a ways to go in run blocking, but he took a massive step in run blocking in 2020. My view is Patrick is better at center than he is at guard. So I would like to put Patrick at center because then we have the flexibility to put Elton Jenkins out at left tackle if you need to put him at right tackle if he's more comfortable with that he also is such a a foundational building block there at left guard I just think that anchoring down that center position with Lucas Patrick who can do a really solid job is going to give us some more options along the line and probably shore up that right guard position to be more solid anyways because let's face it Lucas Patrick love him but he really struggles at guard. He he played pretty well at guard, except for two or three games where he was overmatched. And unfortunately, two of them were against Tampa Bay, but uh, he wasn't the only one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he is very well suited to be that swing guy inside. Uh, but 
I, I like Lucas Patrick. I, I just think you want to solidify that center position, and that's why I would go with Elton Jenkins. Well, fans, head on over to Twitter, at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers. We're both going to pin a poll to the top of our page. You know the drill. We do it every week. Please weigh in. Who do you think has the better argument? Settle this debate for us. Do we just simplify it and go with Elton at center, or do Adam Stenovich and uh, Luke Buckus, who love being creative, shuffle their guys around a bit and start out with Lucas Patrick at center? It's time for you to weigh in. Alrighty, folks, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions, or you can email us at askgilhuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not good.